gearheads and welcome to Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. And each week this podcast will serve as a catalyst for discussion on all sorts of topics that grind our gears, excite us, or just need an extra bit of conversation. In this week's episode, we're talking about car posters. What happened? Where'd they go? Are we too old? Do they still exist? What's the deal? And can cars be art? Just like each week, we want to invite you to join with us in this discussion about all things automotive on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at GT Garage Talk. You can email us at gtgaragetalk at gmail.com or you can go to our website, gtgaragetalk.com and fill out a form and shoot us an email just like any other old-fashioned way. But we, we want to hear back from you. This is a discussion between us all. But this week, the discussion is car posters. So this actually came up in our first episode, Matt. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about our car histories in that episode, and uh, I, I had mentioned when I was a youth, uh, <laughs> before I could drive cars, uh, my parents lamented at the sheer number of posters and pictures on my wall. <laughs> and I don't blame them. Looking back with my mind's eye now, of just truly how many staple holes <laughs> I put in my wall putting up car posters and printed car pictures. No telling how much we spent in ink <laughs> on our printer. Uh, and I I didn't discriminate. I printed up all kinds of things. <laughs> I had a Camaro section because Camaro's my all-time favorite car. Right. Um, I printed up a pretty generic picture of uh, 1998. Eight, I believe, is when uh, they changed the body style on it. Uh, Chevy Tahoe, just like sitting on the rocks in the water, like it, it was one of their promotional pictures for it. But I didn't discriminate. Like it, it wasn't just a overly beautiful vehicle, but hey, it, it was a car, and it was on my wall. That's right. Golly. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and my my first car poster, and I think it may have been one of only two or three yeah. really that I had on my walls. Uh, was of the Plymouth Prowler. <laughs> I had two car posters of <laughs> Plymouth Prowler, so yes. and I, I I loved it. I mean, it was it was cutting edge for the late nineties. It was different than anything else around. It was all right. So it was I, beautiful. I, I'm gonna Google this right now just to get all the history on the Plymouth Prowler. Oh yes, please do. All y'all that don't know, um, on the other end. And I think I may have mentioned uh, in that first episode that when I get to the point of being able to afford uh, and start a car collection, that that will be my first car, uh, my, my my first collected car. Uh, and it has to be purple. Yes, yes. And I have to have the trailer with it. All but, right. So we, we're going to get into all of that. But first, let's let's educate our our listeners just a little bit since we are audio only I'll, yes. I'll put some links uh in the description to the wikipedia page that i'm about to read to you on the plymouth prowler so the heading the plymouth prowler later the chrysler prowler that's really hard to say is a retro styled production car uh, manufactured and marketed from 1997 to 2002 so it didn't really live that long by Daimler Chrysler, based on the 1993 concept car of the same name. So I'm pretty sure the poster you had on the wall and the first of my two Plymouth, Plymouth Prowler posters was actually of that purple concept car. Because, oh, yes. Yeah. 
Um, they they made some changes before it rolled out to the public, including the headlights, which I think only made it look better. Normally, oh, yeah. production cars look worse than the concept, but in this case, I think they, they fixed it up to look better. And the final note, the, the Prowler was offered in a single generation in a front-engine, rear-drive, rear-transmission configuration with an overall production of only... 11,702 units produced. So you've got your work cut out for you when it comes to uh, I do to finding one at, worth drooling over. Well, and the few that are uh, out and about for sale, I think there's a couple in Dallas last time I looked. Yeah. Um, Auto Trader seems to be the place to go to find right. most of them because right. it's glo- or at least nationwide, right. if not globally. Right, right, right. Um, and and you can specify okay I want the purple one not the yellow one I think they only made them in four four or five colors yeah the picture uh, that comes up first on Wikipedia is either like a really orangey red yeah it could just be the light I don't know but it looks pretty good in red but yeah, I would have yellow yellow or purple yellow okay. or purple because and, those were the two colors of the right. posters that I had on my wall growing up exactly I had the purple uh, concept vehicle and then the yellow production vehicle so just to to geek out just for a minute so and and i noticed this as you were reading through rear transmission right right, which at the time was pretty exclusive to the corvette the corvette yeah uh so some some thoughtful technology going into it there right front engine uh but the the overall design this big teardrop wedge shape thing limited them very much on how much engine they could put under hood. All right, so to go further into the uh, uh, maybe unengaged, or if you don't want to click through our show notes and go to the Wikipedia page or Google it, uh, the, uh, this car looked awesome. It looked like something out of the 30s. But, yes, yeah. it, it was wedge-shaped. It had open fenders, and the wheels were a good foot away from the rest of the body on the front of the car. Um, it, it looked awesome. It kind of was part of the design inspiration of the PT Cruiser. I think it translates a whole lot better. Again, That's unfortunate. Last week's, or, uh, we talked a few weeks back about uh, crossovers and how designs translate to crossovers with like Aston Martin and Lamborghini and stuff like that. So here's a sports car uh, that was adapted to an early crossover that may, maybe didn't go over quite as well, but it, it definitely looked good. Uh, it was a convertible. Uh, had a big back end. Uh, I like. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> easy. <laughs> There's a certain easy. song from the '90s <laughs> that truly describes how I feel about car designs. Um, the song in question was not talking about cars, but no, that that's what I relate it back to. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, the Prowler had an ample backside. We'll, it did. we'll put it back. Put yeah. it that way. Unfortunately, uh, you referenced the prowler having a trailer the reason it needed a trailer is because its ample backside was for looks and, and for the transmission for the transmission and for the convertible top uh many um automotive uh journalists of the era said that you could put a t-shirt back there that, <laughs> that, that was about it um so it was necessary the, for the, for a trailer and why, why don't you describe the trailer so the trailer Basically, would be uh, if you took and cut the car right down through the middle of the door mm-hmm. and used the back half of the car. 
In fact, that there's, was the trailer. There's a picture of one with the trailer on Wikipedia. Matching yeah. wheels to yeah. the car. You could get it color matched to the car. Um, I mean, yeah. it's it's a sharp looking little trailer. I, d- I do love that I car. Just, <laughs> it's yeah, it's just an awesome. Now, okay, so those those are the good things about the car, right? Right. right. Some of the negatives, no trunk at yeah. all. Well, uh, it's more of an access panel. <laughs> when it, yeah, when it comes to dream, and it opened backwards because it was really opening for the roof for of the, the roof. car, yeah. not to be a trunk. Uh, but when you're talking dream cars, like practically, that's throw that out the window. Like it, dream cars don't need to be practical; they need to look good and go fast. Okay. And, and unfortunately, go fast was one of the areas where the Prowler fell short. It so did very much. Chrysler fell on some hard times during this time, and while they had grand ambitions uh, with the Prowler, uh, basically it was the <laughs> Grand Vo- Grand Caravan. Uh, Plymouth Voyager minivan engine yeah. that went in under that uh, wedge of a hood. Yeah. Uh, Not much over 200 horsepower right. and just... Uh, so you I, you referenced in a previous episode, you want Hennessy to fix up an expedition for you and your wife. Yeah. That's much later down the road, but uh, car companies like Hennessy, I'm pretty sure Hennessy's got a Prowler conversion. Uh, there are many aftermarket companies that will fix up Prowlers, and they've crammed V8s under that oddly shaped hood. Well, and, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, the technology of these days uh, would lend itself to many different options for that platform, I think. Plus, if you could find a nice small block, like a 302 or something like that. Easy. Uh, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> now, another problem of the Prowler is... Um, because of those exposed front wheels and fenders and all that, and the interesting proportions of the car, yeah, uh, turning wasn't exactly one of its strong suits <laughs> either. So, which was, is funny because there's nothing in the way of the wheels right, for it to turn, right? But it really was more of a cruiser vehicle. Yes. I mean, it, it its primary focus was to look good. Yeah. To exist and look good doing it. Oh, yeah. And that, it did quite well. Oh, yeah. And so that kind of leads into, like, can cars be art? Uh, I would say that the Prowler is more art than it is sports car. Yeah. Um, Because, I I mean, it it looked better than it drove. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And uh, and the same could be said for many cars of that era. Right. Um, the uh, the Chrysler Crossfire. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful car. Um, kind of again on the cutting edge of of what technology was taking the right. auto industry towards. That one had an ample backside too. It, it also had an ample <laughs> backside, uh, but uh, stuck with the V6 and right. just right. wasn't much more than something that looked pretty. Right. And I'd say on the Crossfire, kind of the opposite of the Prowler, the concept looked better than what we got in reality. Yeah. Um, the, the face got beat with an ugly stick a little, but <laughs> looks are subjective. So you, you might love the Crossfire. I worked with some uh, people uh, in my nine to five job that had a Crossfire and loved it, except for all the mechanical issues that they had with it. So And the uh, cost of tires. Right. Right. Well, I, I know someone also who uh, who had one for a little while, and um, it was a third vehicle for them, so she would drive it back right. and forth to work a little bit, and, and then she punctured a tire one day and decided it needed to spend some time in the garage, right. <laughs> she drove the Honda to work. So. Right. 
and the Prowler specifically had mismatched sized tires. Like the front wheels and tires were smaller than the rear, which um, is becoming more and more of a trend. Like the Corvette has 19s in the front and 20s in the rear, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. On the C8. Yep. And uh, I believe even the C7 had staggered Did it also. wheel sizes like that as well. So um, um, it, it causes problems. But again, dream cars don't need to be practical right or do they i mean i i I would i would potentially argue that uh i mean because and 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 maybe maybe this is a moot point because dream cars are the ones where there's no reservations right right? no money uh, issues or anything of that sort no you know not having to worry about carrying everybody you know both of us have a family so you know, the Prowler's a two-seater, so there's really not an option to carry your family with Correct. you. Um, maybe maybe you mount a rumble seat in the trunk yeah. or in the trailer and, and let your kid ride in the trailer. That would be terrifying. Just but... kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Seems like something we could do in the future. <laughs> that, that would make for some very that interesting would, content. Yes, it would. Most definitely would. Um, to, Closed to, course, of course. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but I think... Um, I think that kind of that sweet spot for dream cars would be where practicality meets right the the Beauty dream itself. The- um we we talked about in the last episode the SUVs that have these monstrous V8s oh, under the hood, right? Yeah. So it's you and your family driving 200 miles an hour in a Trackhawk. But are you ever going to put a poster of a Trackhawk on the wall? I would. No. Because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would put a poster of a raptor on the wall, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and and they're very practical uh, right. and they're very expensive. So yes. again, that leads credence to the dream aspect, of right? It. So, so to your point, I'm surprised you haven't hammered me on this. So I'll volunteer the <laughs> the information. So I've mentioned many a time, uh, Camaro is the the Camaro in general is the car that got me to love vehicles. Yeah. And so it has always been my dream car. I always wanted the top of the line, the best of the best uh, Camaro that I could get. And when I turned 25, I bought a 20, uh, a 2012 uh, 45th anniversary edition SS with 6.2 liter engine and six speed manual transmission. I had my dream car. Yeah. Um, it could have gotten better. I could have gotten a Z01, but oh my gosh. Uh, but I loved her name was Cameron. I loved Cameron. Yeah. She was my dream car. The problem was that intersection of dream versus reality. Uh, at the time, uh, I was living in an apartment with my brother. We were splitting rent. And uh, we're he was fixing to, good East Texas phrase, he was fixing to get married. And so we knew we were splitting, going opposite directions. And yeah. I knew how much I paid for that. And I was looking for my first solo apartment. Uh, Keynote, I actually paid more on that car note than I did in rent for my first <laughs> solo apartment. So many different reasons why I only kept her for a year. I yeah. would have loved, I would love to still have that car. Sure. Again, makes no practical sense with the family that I have right now. Uh, or the driveway. I don't think I could actually get it up on my 15 degree incline of a driveway. Uh, so she would have to park on the street and I don't know if I could do that to her. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so yes, I had my dream car. 
at a point in time where uh, the intersection of dream and practicality didn't quite line up. Uh, I referenced uh, in episode one or two how expensive the rear tires were <laughs> for yep. that car. Yep. And uh, again, the impracticality versus the dream, uh, they they were very very expensive the the two rear tires cost more than the four tires on my current chevy cruise so um it 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 was not a practical everyday vehicle that being said i have taken road trips to san antonio to houston and to dallas with people riding in the back seat really tall people too 510 to 62 riding in the back seat of that car really so colton cooper i, I apologize for criming <laughs> you back there but uh if i'm not mistaken y'all volunteered for it so there you go I, i'm not that sorry but uh yeah so man i i would love to have that car back yeah um it, it, very much a a dream car but by no means practical so i i can see why sports cars are a midlife crisis type car because oh, yeah. by that point your kids are grown up and yeah. out of the house you're not having to worry about backseat practicality or in the case of the prowler no backseat yeah um but it would definitely have to be a third vehicle for me at this point in my life right all right so here's a question for you okay and and you may have partially answered this already but when it comes to your dream car mm -hmm. do you build it or do you buy it <laughs> So this is probably where you and I differ the most. Yeah. Um, I would buy it. Uh, so like money, no option. There are so many cars that oh, I'd yeah. love to have. Uh, most of them from Italy. Um, <laughs> Ferraris. Like if somebody offered me a Ferrari, absolutely. I would take it. If right. somebody, if somebody offered me even a car I didn't like, I would take it at this point. I'd turn around and sell it. Well, but, uh, like if they said, here's a car, you have to keep it for a year. Yes. Uh, like there are many cars on my dream car list. There are many cars that I would have a poster of on my wall uh, for the sheer beauty of them. Going back to the can cars be art. Yeah. Um, I would say there are uh, Italians probably do it the best. Uh, just the sheer beauty of their vehicles. Unless you're talking the Lamborghini Urus SUV. Um, <laughs> yeah. beautiful that is not uh, it's very angular it's cool looking but I wouldn't call it beautiful Yeah. Um, but counterpoint on that um, money no issue on upkeep on purchase on working on it right. all that aside the car I would most like to own uh, would take some building because all-time favorite Camaro is a 1969 Chevy Camaro Z28. Nice. Um, and uh, it actually leads me into a question to you that we can get into after we kind of exhaust this topic. Uh, but, yeah, that is my all-time favorite car. To find one in immaculate condition now would cost a pretty penny. Oh, yeah. Uh, it would also be fun to fix one up, but I also know my current skill level and my current uh, situation. I don't have a garage that it could be worked <laughs> on in. Uh, I don't have the facilities. I don't have a, a, a paint booth. Like, but right. it, it's something I could, you know, take it. Like you fixed up your very first car, 
that was yours, Tallulah, yeah. uh, the super beetle, uh, was something, it started off blue and ended up orange. So I understand not all of it has to be done in-house, sure. but uh, a 69 Camaro Z28, whether a project car or bought brand new, like th- that that's gold for me. Nice. That would be the pinnacle. Nice. So what about you? Um, uh, mine, mine, I have several cars, uh, that I would love to build, uh, probably fewer cars that I would just outright buy. Um, and, and I don't, (coughs) I don't have the, uh, blessing of being able to say that I've owned, uh, my, my dream car just yet. Um, but I think, Man, and it's such a hard question for me because I love cars in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah. any yeah, and all of them. It's tough when yeah. you've always got the itch and you're always drooling over something. Always. I mean, like everything from and if if you don't know what this vehicle is, Google it because it's it's an incredible vehicle um, that uh, that was. Uh, I I can't even remember who builds them now, but it's a it's a. It's an aftermarket builder who, back in the 80s, took a Ford Bronco right. and stretched it and called it the Centurion and made a made a four-door, um, six- or seven-passenger Bronco out of it. Uh, and I'd love to have one of those, drop it on a three-quarter ton chassis and uh, a 4BT uh, or a 6BT Cummins under the hood. Oh my gosh, you're making six a Frankenstein speed. of a vehicle. I mean, just, you know, yeah. six-speed manual transmission. So you truly um, mean just build it like... Yeah, uh, like bits from this rig yeah. and bits from yeah. that rig and, you know, engine from this one and that one and whatever and, and, and assemble something. Um, so anything or, or something either from that direction, more of a family hauler right. type vehicle, all the way almost completely the other direction uh to a uh a 71 Volkswagen Super Beetle. Yeah. Um so I guess in a way I could say that I have owned my dream vehicle. Uh but the one that I would build with money not being an option right. uh would probably have a turboed Porsche engine under the hood. Um and you know wide tires all the way around, right. uh, a whale tail and you know it sits low and more of an autocross styled um, beetle. I've yeah. I've drawn up and dreamed about building the ultimate beetle um, for for many years, uh, probably yeah. since before I bought my first car. So, so one thing uh, where our listeners could get involved in this is I've seen some other uh, channels I follow on social media do a bracket challenge. Okay. Uh, so what if we started? A bracket challenge for dream cars. In order to do this, we need a a, a pool of contenders, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, so our listeners could chime in through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, yeah. our website, what their dream cars are. And I, I make that plural because you and I have both alluded to. It would be hard to narrow it down to just one. Sure. Uh, I know what the pinnacle is for me, but I would also absolutely love to have more than that yeah uh, and perhaps that's why god has not blessed me with a lot of money i <laughs> blow it on vehicles instead of uh glorifying him but uh that that is 
something that it, it would be really fun to do. So we need our listeners' help. We yes. need your help. So give us your dream cars, whether it be something classic, something new, something crazy. Uh, and, and we'll put together a little bracket challenge and, and I, I, see where that goes. Maybe maybe to add to that a little bit, maybe we could have a built side and yep. a bought side. Yep, and, and see who wins. And see see who yeah. comes out on top. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to be able to go into full detail about each individual built vehicle, but a, a general premise right. of, you know, drivetrain, um, gear make and model of the built vehicle. Right. Right. And then the bought vehicles, uh, you know, uh, comparable, but there's going to be differences. I think I, that'd I'd be like, a blast. So the question that I alluded to earlier that I want to get from you is it's something I've been pondering on for a very long time. Uh, what shows more, uh, I wrote down style and class, but maybe more, uh, understanding and appreciation of the automotive world more. Um, and is that, uh, so in my instance, I'll, I'll, I'll do self-reflective here uh, with my love of Camaros. Which do you say speaks to more of an educated car person? Me going out and buying the newest, best Camaro ZL1 with a uh, 1LE package on it, the giant wing on the back, the next to no ground clearance, and uh, the supercharged engine. Rock or magnetic suspension. Right, right. <laughs> or finding a truly just mint condition 1969 or even 1967 the first year they made them uh true classic camaro because well i'll let you answer and then i'll give you my thoughts okay which do you think and camaro aside like new newest best of the best techie uh everything that the automotive world has reached at this point like the C8, the C8 is a pinnacle Corvette at this moment. Sure. Or uh, would you go back to something classic? Because I know you've got a love for. So, so to clarify your question, is and and we can go back and edit right. this if we need to. But to clarify your question, what makes you more a gearhead? Yeah. What if what what shows a better appreciation of the more industry? more appreciation yeah. for the industry? Okay. So, I think I think it it's a tough one. It is it is not an easy question no. to answer, and and, and, and not it's just not, from a, a standpoint of not wanting to alienate people, right? But because it's not a knock to whichever one you're against, right? It's no, just it's, your mindset. Yeah, um, I think. I think you can be a gearhead and not be mechanically inclined. Absolutely. Um, uh, hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think in order to in order to be truly a gearhead, um, someone who appreciates the automobile, there has to be a passion behind it. Right. So anybody can go to Fiat Chrysler to Fomoco, to Chevy, whoever, and pick up a brochure for the latest a Hellcat Red Eye or yeah. a Ford GT or whatever, a ZL1, 1LE, mm-hmm. um, and memorize the information on the brochure, right? right? 650 horsepower, 650 foot-pounds of torque, magnetic mm-hmm. ride, adjustable suspension, active aero, yada, 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 right. yada. 
I can regurgitate information. That's right. fine. Tell me about the passion. Tell me right. about what that car does for you, what it is that attracted you to that car, what it is that keeps right. you in that car. So I think I think it's more about the passion right. than the vehicle itself that you choose. So my answer would be very much along those lines. I, I would say um, that to truly appreciate even the newest, there has to be at least some recognition to the past and where we've come from. And, um, so like me, my favorite car is the Camaro. I truly adore that first generation. Um, I hold it above all generations, uh, past and present. Yeah. Like that, that is the pinnacle of it because that is the essence of the Camaro. That's when pony car wars were just starting. That's, yeah. uh, plus they were gorgeous and beautiful and like, yeah. Uh, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about automotive trends that need to come back. A lot of them came from classic cars of that era. So yeah. uh, houndstooth inserts in the seats and things of that nature. Uh, I went back. Uh, so uh, I guess the question really came from, like, if someone just struck it rich uh, and went out and bought the newest, latest, and greatest uh, because they knew it cost the most, uh, that doesn't exactly translate to they know what they're talking about. One of my favorite uh, car movies is the newer Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage, and they, they have this conversation, more or less, and they talk about the passion and the history. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's when Nicolas Cage's character is, uh, he goes to the Ferrari dealership, they're scouting out certain cars to boost, and uh, he's talking... Anybody could just go out and buy the newest one. Not anybody, but anybody with money could just right. go out and buy the newest one. But truly finding that passionate, that rare, that gem yeah. uh, is what I'm after. And and that's why like the pinnacle dream car for me would be my 1969 Camaro Z28. Because... <sighs> yeah. Well, and, and from that film, you know, right. the car that the film was built around was... Eleanor. Eleanor, that beautiful Mustang uh, GT500. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I I would I would completely agree. It, it has everything to do with the passion behind the purchase, right. not the purchase itself. Which I blame that movie for a, a lot of my car. <laughs> uh, that's probably why I name all my vehicles because they name all the vehicles that they boost right. in that in that movie, and um, Eleanor being like the like. The name people think of in the automotive industry, or anyone who has seen that movie, yeah, Eleanor, you like the gray Mustang, like, um, so I, I blame that movie for a lot of my car, oh yeah, passions and desires, and uh, kind of the way I approach the industry. You know, um, <laughs> they do a thing in that episode that we can do a whole episode on later if we've got enough content behind it. But I was sitting in a room with a bunch of my coworkers one day. Uh, there was a parking lot right outside, but all the windows were currently covered. So uh, only lit by the fluorescent lights. And an engine starts up outside, and it's loud. Uh -huh. And I instantly perk up, and I go, Ford Mustang. And everybody's like, what? And they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, uh -huh. that's a Ford Mustang. How, how do you... How do you not know that's a Ford Mustang? And sure enough, I go peek out the window. It's bright red Ford Mustang GT. And uh, there's a whole scene where they're listening to different car engines 
recordings on their boombox, and they're talking about what that what card that is, and they go through all the details nice. of it. And uh, so going back to that passion of being a gearhead, oh, yeah. and by no means am I saying you have to know what every engine sounds like, because prior to that, like just happenstance happening, like I haven't given it much thought, but if I hear a 5.3 Chevy V8 startup, I'm like, what? That, yeah. That, uh, Suburban? Tahoe? Silverado? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, it, what was that? The starter has a yeah. distinct sound. The exhaust uh, you, gargle right at yeah. the beginning. I mean, all that is... The Ford uh, Ford F-150 V8 has a very distinct sound. Yes, it does. Sound, uh, uh, and, and yours has an even more distinct sound. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, it does. Yes. that. Uh, usually you can tell the Fords, though, by the power steering whine. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, so... Uh, I can tell what engines under the hood of uh, certain friends' F-150s. That sounds a lot like Matt's. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Yeah. So I have I have another question for you. This okay. this kind of relates to the dream car, um, and kind of the build it or buy it okay. element. Um, and that is, uh, I forget what show I was watching, but Rutledge Wood yes. was being interviewed. Was it the American Top Gear? Uh, it may have been. Yeah. Uh, or some spinoff related right. to, um, but right. but the question was posed: um, You have fifteen thousand uh-huh. dollars. Do you buy three five thousand dollar cars, or one fifteen five three thousand oh dollar cars, gosh. or one fifteen thousand dollar car? So I absolutely want to do an entire show on this. It's in our show notes. Uh, our ever-growing list of show ideas is uh, different price points. Yeah. What do you buy? Uh, this is kind of an interesting take on it. Um, and you and I have had this discussion over the past two, three, four years since you've been back in Texas. Um, and I'm always going for the single most expensive. <laughs> <because> <laughs> that's just me. But... And yeah. I'm I'm yeah. the opposite yeah. spectrum. I would much rather have a different car for every day of the week, right? Than right. I would have one halfway dependable, uh, mildly used vehicle. I mean, it'd... it and it really would depend on what all I could find because uh, I've shared with our listening audience that uh, my 2007 Chevy Silverado Sarah Joe started me down a very nasty habit of buying exclusively new vehicles of which our 2014 Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk has begun to broke, break me from. Yeah. And uh, so we bought that thing used, and it was only two years old at the time. But the deal we found on it has has got me uh, itching and scratching. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm looking for the next sweet uh-huh. find that was as good as that one. So uh, it, it's an interesting question that I think changes – daily <laughs> what my answer is oh sure so yeah and that is actually a really great segue into next week's episode it is so next week we're going to be talking about uh buying cars facebook marketplace auto trader craigslist uh going to the dealership yourself in person uh what you need to know uh, what we think about it but uh, in the meantime, our question of the week this week focused on dream cars. What is your dream car? Help us out with our bracket challenge. Give us 
any and all dream cars, any car that you've ever dreamt about, put a poster up on your wall. Do you even still have car posters? So Matt and I were joking when this show idea came up. Uh, it was scholastic book fairs in the schools yep. is where I got all my yep. uh, all my car posters. I My brother had Vipers on his wall. I had the Prowler. I had a Corvette. I don't know that they ever really made them in the scholastic book fairs for Camaros. It, it wasn't like peak pinnacle uh, car poster material for <laughs> wide audiences. Uh, but it, it, it was my dream car. And yeah. I would have bought a poster of it if I could. Um, well, and, and when, when you and I were in grade school, they it was on its way out. Yeah. Really, so. yeah. Yeah, they killed the Camaro in 2002 and they brought it back uh, years later. As I mentioned before, it, I, I believe it was more a Camaro when it came back than when it left. So I was very appreciative that they did it right when it came back. So anyway, th- so that's our question of the day. Dream cars, what are yours? What have you dreamt about? Car posters, have you put them up on your wall? Uh, shoot us a message on facebook instagram and twitter all at gt garage talk you can email us gt garage talk at gmail.com or you can visit our website right there on the homepage. we've got a form with the question of the week where you can uh, shoot us back your information and uh, what dream cars you've had over your past uh, we can't wait to hear from you uh, the discussion back on social media oh, after absolutely. these episodes is really fun so uh, we truly look to hear back from you and until next time Bye.